Welcome to the Health Systems Podcast, where we discuss healthcare careers and provide education on the healthcare system for personal and professional use. I'm Jack Polk, and I hope you enjoy listening to today's discussion. As a disclaimer, I am employed by a health plan, and any opinions presented in this podcast are not representative of that health plan. Today, I'm joined by John Beers, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach who was recently promoted to his black belt. John also happens to be my jiu-jitsu coach. He runs Mentality Martial Arts in Atlantic Beach, Florida. During our discussion today, he offers his experience in, well, opening a business in a post-pandemic atmosphere and how he dealt with the unique challenges along the way. We all know that client relationships are key, whether your client is a patient, business partner, coworker, manager, or even yourself. In this, John talks about his approach to teaching as well as ways he retains people, whether they're a beginner in jiu-jitsu or someone well on their way to getting their own black belt. While this may not be traditional healthcare in the sense of hospitals, clinics, or insurance, John's business is wellness. His business keeps people active in body and mind, and he is so passionate about it. I hope you enjoy our discussion today. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. My name is Jack Polk, and today I'm joined by John Bierce. That's correct, yeah. Okay, cool. First try is always good. Um, John is a jiu-jitsu coach, uh, my jiu-jitsu coach, and that's just one of the hats he wears. Um, But at the same time, he has a great wealth of knowledge concerning what it's like uh, owning your own business, especially in the post-COVID atmosphere, because you opened in 21? Yeah, 2021. 21, um, and had a ton of uh, challenges he can probably speak on that came along with that, as well as how he has maneuvered around those challenges and ultimately has created a thriving gym community that I'm very blessed to be a part of. Uh, But at the same time, uh, John, why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and like how you got started in jujitsu? Um, was it always jujitsu or were you doing other things too? I know you're a climber as well, so, uh, but take it away. So I started martial arts when I was a kid, somewhere around seven or eight years old in the sport of judo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also here in Jacksonville. And I did that for three or four years. I've just always loved martial arts and basically mm-hmm. just anything ninja. Um, that was my goal as a kid was to become as much, my goal as a kid was originally to become an astronaut and my second choice was to become a ninja. And, um, All right. so very obtainable. Both yes. <laughs> and, and fortunately my second goal I've actually achieved, which was to become a ninja. Um, but I started in judo when I was about seven or eight years old, um, transitioning to Wing Chun Kung Fu mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, like I think I was 14 or 15 and I did each one of those sports for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then when mixed martial arts hit kind of its well, I guess you can't call it at Zenith, but when it started to get really popular, at least in my eyes, around like Chuck Liddell's era and Rich Franklin and um, those guys, I wanted to do mixed martial arts. So I went to a mixed martial arts gym and learned Muay Thai uh, kickboxing. I did that for, I feel like a few months before I started jujitsu. And I was, you know, I already came from a boxing style. So I felt like I had a little bit of an edge. And at least the story I tell myself was that I was doing well on my feet. So then people kind of said, well, hey, why don't you wrestle with me? And I figured, hey, this will be easy. I already beat him up standing, so why not give it a shot on the ground? And go figure, I got trounced easily. Uh, Didn't Mm. stand a chance against anyone on the floor. And realizing this huge vacuum in what I thought, you know, you build up a shell around yourself as a young man, like, oh, I'm protected, I've got all these skills, I'll knock him out with one punch. 
Yeah. You, you hear, you see, especially now that you're doing jujitsu, all these memes about like, oh, um, I just see street- red. <laughs> yeah, I just see red. That's exactly right. That's the phrase. Well, you know, I wasn't impervious to that mindset coming up and uh, finding out that there's such a huge gap in my self-defense mm-hmm. via wrestling and jujitsu. Um, I had to figure it out. Mm. That slowly transitioned over time, recognizing that like I wasn't getting paid to box or kickbox. I wasn't like likely to be skilled enough to become a professional or even a successful amateur like striker. But I was You're getting, talking pro fighting at this point. Yeah, like and not that I had a shot. I had one amateur fight, but like uh, what I mean to say is that like um I got to be like 24, 25 years old and mm-hmm. getting hit in the head for free just didn't seem to make any sense. Like uh, taking concussive strikes to my head didn't seem to make any sense. And jujitsu provided this avenue for me to be able to fight hard, mm-hmm. um, spar a lot, and not take as many concussive strikes to my head as I was <laughs> in Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, and, str- and just strict boxing. Uh, sure. I really love boxing and that kind of stuff, but jiu-jitsu provided me that avenue to continue my martial arts career. And, and safer, it sounds like. Yeah, in a much safer way. So I got you. So um, I, there's, a, there's a couple things I'd like to dive in there. Um, the, the first and foremost being, uh, was uh, aside from just the appeal of being an astronaut, ninja, et cetera, um, <laughs> was there any just sort of inspiration into that, or was it just the dream of obtaining that goal? Well, I was, you know, exposed to Bruce Lee and Jet Li, and, uh, like, it, it was Lego Ninjago was around hey, at that point. Like, you know, so every, you know, ninja is marketed to Mortal Kombat. I was playing mm-hmm. on Sega Genesis. Um, so being a ninja was very appealing for many different ways, uh, reasons. And, uh, I mean, I've taken it as far as, I think I've told you I took two years of anatomy in college just to get better at jujitsu. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I, I had to take, like, elective science courses. And I was like, well, I might as well do that. I did criminal justice as well, mm-hmm. uh, just as, like, furthering my Batman career. <laughs> um, but I didn't really have a plan in college, so mm-hmm. I just kind of took whatever classes were interesting to me. Um, furthering a lot of that, people find themselves in that place, though, so you can't, uh, yeah. I mean, but it's cool to see how those different things have kind of morphed into what you have now, too. It's a dream come true, honestly. Every every time we bow out, um, it's a lot of people, th- or at least some people might think it's like a chance for me to exert like um, some amount of control or like, oh, I'm the big bad or like the big guy in the gym, I'm the big boss. But really, it's a chance for me to express my gratitude for everyone just allowing me to live a, a dream of mine that I've had since I was a kid. Like, right. you can't be a teacher without students. You can't be a coach without training partners. Mm-hmm. So it's like really that when I do elect to do bow outs and stuff like that, it's really an opportunity for me to just say thank you to my students. Cause it's like, how blessed am I to have a, a mass space that people turn up to every single night is amazing. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate. Yeah. And I think what would be helpful um, for the listeners is you dived into these different disciplines, a uh, judo, a uh, Wing Chun, um, uh, Muay Thai, and then jujitsu. If we can take a step back real quick and explore the use cases for the difference between there's striking types of martial arts, right? But some of which you listed, and there's also more grappling focused ones. Uh, of the ones you listed, can you, first of all, categorize them? Um, like what's more striking, sure. what's more grappling? Uh, but then also the use cases, and if possible, how you can tie them all together into what you would call mixed martial arts if i understand correctly sure yeah um 
And are you talking about like in a self-defense mechanism or just kind of in like the scope of, of martial arts in general? Uh, I would say, uh, let, let's think about it, the scope of martial arts in general. Okay. Um, and we can transition to self-defense uh, as needed. So I might butcher the history, but judo and jiu-jitsu are kind of like inextricably linked um, mm -hmm. to some degree, like the jiu-jitsu if I remember properly, that the Brazilians learned was like largely in part judo that mm -hmm. then was translated in Brazil, like in this crucible of the rainforest um, there and then brought to America the way that we kind of know it now. Um, but judo is at least the way that it's practiced now is predominantly about the throw and it's about um, taking your opponent to the ground from standing. Yeah, okay. we're going to throw our opponent to the ground from standing. To that end, you can win a fight with a perfect throw. If you get an ipon, that's enough to say, like basically when you throw someone, they land two shoulders on the mat back flat um with any number of throws the referee will call an epon and you've won the match just off the throw mm -hmm. that being said there is groundwork you can do juju katami uh like arm locks and stuff like that all sorts of chokes um many of the chokes and arm locks that we practice in our jujitsu come to some degree from judo mm. I'd, I'd have to get like a storyboard to actually get it all right because sure. it was originally jujitsu then they distilled it into the art of judo then now it's back to jiu-jitsu again or something like that. Anyways, I say it like this. Judo is 90% throw, 10% groundwork, and jiu-jitsu is 10% throw, 90% groundwork. Gotcha. You know, it's the, or at least the focus. You could mm -hmm. design your own amount of percentages in your own game, whatever sure. you think. You know, I throw a lot in my jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. Most people, like a lot of people nowadays, sit guard, which is fine. You know, They want to get to the groundwork, but I like to throw. I teach you guys that throwing is one of the best ways to win the fight. Mm -hmm. um, mentally even yeah it sounds like a hundred percent if you can <laughs> if you can throw someone through the air over your shoulder and yeah. then they land on the ground their amount of confidence in what you're going to do to them then on the floor is probably going to be pretty low i mean you just <laughs> lifted them through the air and you know scraped their feet against the ceiling um <laughs> so they're, they're probably shook to say the least if you've thrown them and i think winning confidence in a fight is a huge deal and then striking muay thai wing chun kung fu um kickboxing and boxing the the goal of these two sports or the goal of the two different arts striking and grappling are just different um when i'm boxing you i want to knock you out with concussive force that's kind of like my end result or tko by just proving to the referee that i'm i'm clearly winning this fight and i'm mm -hmm. just doling out so much damage to this person and they're not responding to it or you can win via points which is actually kind of similar between the sports um that being said, in striking, your goal is, once again, to deal enough damage, right? Either okay. to knock someone out cold or to deal enough damage that you've won the fight. Um, whereas in jiu-jitsu, it's kind of more like chess where I want to prove to you that I've won through my control and through my submissions. That's the reason it ends up resulting in a tap-out more often than not. We would actually don't see – you occasionally see people falling asleep uh, via chokes, and you occasionally see arm breaks, for the, but for the most part – when a round is decided, it's someone actually yielding and saying, I've mm -hmm. had enough. Whereas in boxing, it's very rare that you see someone just the fighter themselves throw in the towel and say, I've had enough. It's occasional, but not that frequent. Normally, it's them falling asleep or the ref calling the fight. Um, so to some degree, I actually really like this idea that like I have to convince my opponent that I have enough control over them. I have to convince them that they're in a compromised enough position um, that they're going to then yield to me. Uh, I see. So, so, and it's interesting because it, it definitely sounds like two different ideologies, right? It's the striking mentality of 
I'm going to exchange damage. I'm, and I'm sure there's distance implications in that as well. If, if in terms of a strike, I think boxing and you have to maintain your distance. Um, whereas it seems like grappling, there's more of that intimate type setting. And the mentalities that go along with each are, it almost seems like in some lights, grappling is a safer, more controlled instance because you're not going to have like a 20-something just like burly guy come out of nowhere and sucker punch you. Um, say, I'm trying to think of like from the perspective of someone who's maybe a little bit older um, or fra frailty. Uh, but that's just, I guess that's how I, I interpret it as I see now. But what are, what are your thoughts there? Uh, um, but I'm all, all martial arts have like an incredible amount of detail and intricacies to them. Boxing included, Muay Thai included. They all have such small bits of minutia that to to even understand them at my level, like I'm an intermediate boxer at best. Um, there's so much like beauty to those martial arts. It's just kind of the end result and the training modes, like the modality of training through them is kind of difficult um, to kind of like navigate for me as far as where I want my life to go, mm -hmm. you know, and where I want my, literally the health of my brain to be at, at mm -hmm. a certain age. Um, so that's not to denigrate or to diminish either. It's more just like oh, what, okay. what I can accomplish through my life, what's going to allow me to train the longest amount of time. That's the reason we see people in jujitsu, and you see people in boxing this age too, but like, you know, 65 years old and they're training jujitsu. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of tough to throw. Uh, it can be difficult to throw a realistic punch at a safe speed. Right. right. And to some degree now, if you're doing it at a safe enough speed that you're not going to deal concussive force, you're kind of patty caking. Mm. So it's hard to replicate what it is to like, or at least for me, hard to imagine what it's like to replicate an actual full speed fight without actually putting yourself in that similar amount of danger. I see. You know, so there's no kind of in between. That being said, jujitsu, I mean, boxing is kind of can be marked as bad for your brain, but you get concussive strikes in jujitsu all the time from knees. And not only that, you get so many You've seen, you've been in here for about a year now or eight months or however long it's been. And I think eight months, yeah. Uh, how many people you see limping around the gym? They're like, <laughs> yeah, well, my knee's kind of bug bugging me today. My elbow's, you know, twisted backwards. And mm -hmm. yeah, my eyelid got peeled clean off my face yesterday by someone's gi. Um, so I haven't heard that one before. Well, that's a yeah. Frightening. Maybe a little, ex <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but they've all kind of got their own implications towards your health. But like, obviously, brain health to me, it's like I could lose both my arms and I'll still have fun playing chess. Um, gotcha. You know, Obviously, I don't want to do that, but right. to some degree, I guess that is what I mean. Is like, it's difficult to. Uh, uh, there's no room for CTE in my life anymore. Mm. So, I see. So it, it's interesting how you've taken this idea and you've had all these varying experiences in different disciplines, and landed on jujitsu as your mechanism to not only continue for passion uh, for martial arts, but also for your your own protection in times of just being a healthy, holistic human right yeah um and as someone who is learning that as well how as a coach because i'm trying to think about like a coach perspective when you're tr when you get a new person in the gym who is interested and they're probably more in the exploratory stage like is this for me um what is do you have a process of like how you introduce people to this passion of yours uh, uh if you don't mind me asking yeah uh it's actually kind of like it's very much like i have an angel and devil on my shoulder and it's about reading the person and introducing them at the speed that they're going to feel comfortable 
but you also need to give them a realistic expectation of what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of difficult. You can't really baby someone through the process. So part of me says I jump them in like a gang and I say, go out there, get your butt whooped and see if this is something you want to do. Um, man, this is kind of, that's a really good question. And I could explain it from like six different directions. And I want to just give the perfect positive answer. Just go. I know all, that jujitsu is good angles. for people. Go. I know first off, like just in general, like you could ask any average person, like how much exercise are you getting? And they're going to tell you a number that's probably less than they ought to be right. Just out of just generalizing populations in America. So I already know jujitsu is going to be good for someone in the fact that it's going to help their cardiovascular health. It's mm -hmm. going to help their mental health. It's going to give them a sense of community and camaraderie. It's going to make them stronger physically. Mm -hmm. um, so I already know that's good. I've been practicing it for so long and had people interested in doing jujitsu for so long, but only interested. They like to talk about doing it. They like to tell me that they're going to be in next week. They can't wait to start next month, all these different things. And any person who's been doing jujitsu for a long time or martial arts for a long time will probably reflect the same story. So when someone comes into the gym, I'm very eager to get them through the beginning stages of jujitsu, to get them through the first three months, the first six months, mm -hmm. and to see through kind of the cloud of like this maelstrom of just techniques and people beating me up and, oh man, the rounds are coming up in five minutes. Like, and you get that anxiety of like, I'm going to have to grapple here. And like five, you're looking up at the clock. It's mm -hmm. 645. I'm about to call, get your mouth guards. It's time to roll. And you get this little well of panic. Oh man, I'm going to have to fight that guy. Oh man, I'm going to have to fight her. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, now I'm getting crazy. Um, so by the end of it, it's kind of like, I want to, I want everyone to do it because I know it's going to be good for them. Mm -hmm. However, not everyone is going to stick with it. And in fact, it's like, if I had, and maybe this is my own personal retention, like maybe some coaches are better than me at it. But, uh, if I have 10 people walk through the door, maybe if I'm doing really well, like three will stay. Okay. Like, or you could even take it like this. Seven will stay for three months or like mm. seven will stay for a month. Five will stay for three, three will stay for seven and two will stay for a year. Gotcha. Right. And this, and this is kind of like, I'll say it's kind of like the boiling of the, of the grapplers and th through many different reasons, like we're right next to the Navy base. So some people have to move, right. And they're still right. doing jujitsu. Um, some people it's not for them mm -hmm. and they, it's not what they expected. Um, and they are, they're going to go back to doing whatever it is they do. Some people it's just truthfully, I'm not going to say it's too hard, but it's like this can be sometimes the most challenging thing that someone's been asked to do. Mm. Like depending on the lifestyle that they've led, this can be one of the most difficult things that they've been asked to do in their life. Right. And to, to ask them to come in every night and do that difficult thing, um, they're, this is my uh, assumption of them, but they aren't, they're not ready for that challenge, but they're not going to tell you that. As the coach. Yeah. Well, they're not going to say, they won't admit it to themselves either. They're going to say, ah. oh, well, I'm not sure I really like it. But when I watch them grapple, they have a smile on their face. And when class is over and their sweat's pouring down their face and they're walking out, they look, you can see that endorphin on them that they enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then they get home and the anxiety sets in about, oh, I got to go do that tomorrow. Right. Uh, so there's this kind of great distillation. I think probably every jujitsu gym feels it, is that you get a crop of students and kind of it boils out some of them. And then you're left with the kind of like the sediment you know, the, the salt of the earth, 
types that stick around. The real stubborn folks. The real <laughs> stubborn folks, that's right. And um, and those are the ones who will ultimately gain proficiency is the people who can come in consistently, whether that's two days a week, mm-hmm. but you're there every week, two days a week, or it's, you know, seven every class and you're doing it every week, you know, you kind of get this great distillation, um, which is good. You know, we're kind of on our second or third crop of grapplers now at this gym over the course of the year and almost a half we've been open. Um and, you know, I'm super proud of the people who are here. I'm super proud of everyone that I've got to influence and, like, even just show what jujitsu is. That's awesome. However, there's a lot of um, – I love it so much that sharing it, it's kind of like I walk up to each person, and it's like I have my favorite toy in my hand. I'm like, do you want to play with my toy? Mm-hmm. And, and some people will say yes, and they enjoy it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Some people enjoy it so much they, they – surpass my love for it right there's some people in this gym who love jiu-jitsu more than i probably ever have um and then some people they play with it and then i watch them and i say oh man they're really enjoying it and then they just drop it on the ground and they walk away and mm-hmm. i gotta go pick it up clean it off find the next person hey do you want to do you think this is interesting do you think this is cool and so you kind of have to have a hard like a hardened heart as a coach and you kind of have to like callous yourself to the idea that people aren't going to stick around and that mm-hmm. can kind of make you seem like a curmudgeon and this brings me back to the idea of kind of jumping people in where it's like I could baby them all the way through, but pretty much any person who walks in the door will be rolling their first night. They're going to roll with me first and I'm going to see what their energy level's like. Mm-hmm. And then I'll pick their rounds and the people that they need to properly go with. Maybe they're very timid. Okay, sure. well, I'm going to put them with, you know, Jack and Jack will kind of baby them through the first round and kind of teach them something along the way and make them feel safe and happy. And then or maybe they're wild. And I'm the only person who will roll with them, right? right? I'll roll with them for three rounds in a row, try and tame them a little bit, let them know that like, hey, listen, this is great energy, but we need to, before I let you in the general population, which is what I call it, after you've rolled with me, you're in (laughs) gen pop. um, When you make sure you bring this energy properly to the other students, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Or if they're really wild, I'll give them someone like Dave who can, or Dave or Zach who can both, they can, if, hey, if you want to go to level 11, they'll go to level 12. You'll right. go to you, you'll try and struggle to get to level twelve with them. They'll already be at fifteen, mm-hmm. right? And they there's they can amp it up as much as you'd like to, um, and in that way, it kind of helps me skip the boiling phase. Right? I see. Like they they're either gonna understand what we're doing, or you're you're gonna love it or hate it kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it I guess maybe for me that makes it easier. Um, it, it, in a sense, it's almost as if less time is required yeah to see if they want to stick with it right and because in some lights you could you could see it as misallocated time right because you're like an onboarding process that yeah yeah, that then falls through at the last moment Mm -hmm. so um because yes they are a student and and yes they are a source of revenue for you but at the end of the day i i can certainly say at least for me that uh yes there's grappling but there's community here too sure right and people can love the community but this community involves the martial art that is jujitsu and the training um and that's a lot to wrap around sometimes i think like like for me especially having a smidgen of a wrestling background i thought i could use whatever that was as like my little anchor of identity to stand on like oh i'm not terrible sure (laughs) um um, but I think the biggest thing for me as as a newcomer, like I, since those times are still fairly fresh in my brain, is how mentally speaking, jump into the mental health atmosphere a little bit. 
how there's this pride and ego aspect that goes along with trying something new yeah and failing at it <laughs> yeah you nailed it yeah absolutely um and it's been it, it, at least for me i i think everyone in this gym even you too have their reasons for being here but for me most of all it's failing with grace sure and knowing how to not let the ego get involved in practicing that um over and over because there's days I get smashed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and they'll never. St- I'll let you know right now. That's not ever going to stop happening. I, I don't it's, think I. Need you could it have to a brown stop. belt. You could have a black belt, and it's gonna. You'll still have days where you are the nail. Yeah, and it's and it's great. And the culture you've really fostered here has is I I think really stellar. Honestly, thank you. Um, because going back to your toy analogy, everyone that shows up here, it's very evident. It is your toy. It is your passion. You're not just like, the like, hey, this is fun. Also, where's your pocketbook? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, and it's, and I think that type of attitude has fostered such a welcoming community here. At least as someone who's still fairly new, new, because a lot of the folks that I started with had been with you. I almost want to say at least six months to a year. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. About the time you started there, there were some new folks, but like you know, only maybe one or two, mm-hmm. I think. Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. Yep. Um, and for and it's just a really honoring community. So I take it that it, so you've been teaching for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what when you started teaching, what was well, first of all, how did that opportunity come up? And what were some of the lessons that you've had to acknowledge as a teacher and coach throughout the years that ultimately led to this gym? Well, I started teaching in like kids programs, right? Mm -hmm. And that tends to be the path for a lot of people um, or, or, you know, every gym kind of finds that person who seems to have a penchant for it. They Mm -hmm. get along well with the kids and they want to further their jujitsu knowledge. And one of the best ways to do that is via teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's like, I often say this to you guys, I understand this instinctually, but this is my first time teaching it intellectually because mm-hmm. some some of the techniques that I'm teaching you guys, this is more advanced stuff that I normally wouldn't teach the kids. Like we're talking about knee bars and heel hooks and stuff. Well, I know it myself, but I haven't necessarily explained it. So occasionally I, you know, as a new full-time adult coach, occasionally will say like, oh man, I'll double back. and like, hey, this is the detail that I'm doing that I forgot to tell you guys about mm-hmm. that makes it work ultimately. Um, as far as, so I started in kids program. Uh, teaching with other, uh, there's three other instructors. Well, I think when it, I think when we started, it was like, I can't really remember. This is like going back to CTE and getting hit in the head. I had a lot of concussions before I even started boxing. So um, from like skateboarding and trampolines and jungle gyms and stuff. But it was also about a decade ago that I started teaching the kids programs. And um, I was there with other instructors mm-hmm. and I don't really know. You know, I just, uh, sorry, would you kind of rephrase the question sure, for me sure, again? Sure. Um, uh, what do you have a, a concrete, do you, was there a definitive time where you knew that teaching was something you wanted to invest more time into? Okay. I, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. N- definitely not a concrete. There wasn't like a striking moment that that was the okay. thing. I've always kind of had that, um, I try not to teach when people haven't asked me to, mm-hmm. but I've always kind of had like, I've done many different things, 
And so one thing I've, like many different sports, and I was never specialized. You know, I already told you that just through my martial arts career, I've done five, maybe six martial arts or been exposed to them and learned techniques from them. Well, that's just like a drop in the bucket as far as the sports that I've done too, you know, surfing and skating, skimboarding, playing chess, guitar, and like I have so many different hobbies, like mm -hmm. playing D&D &D and Magic the Gathering and, and creating my own games. So anyways, like by doing many things, you learn how to learn, which I think is a super important skill. Like any time hmm. that I'm playing a video game and like say it's an RPG and you get to skill, you get to put in attribute points. Okay. I'm sure everyone's rolling their eyes like, yeah, everyone does this. But I immediately put whatever my attribute points and whatever gives me more attribute points, right? Like, that's the first thing I invest in in any of those games is, like, now I'm getting twice the amount of attribute points that I would normally get on a level up. So what does that allow me to do is dole them out quicker to other things. And I, I um, compare this to learning how to learn. If you become a proficient learner, you can kind of get ahead on anything. I see. You know, and the more things you do, like, the more – and I'm drawing something with my hands right now for those of you who can't see, but like the more connections I have that lead back to the center idea of what I'm learning now, the more analogies I can draw, the more comparisons I can make, the easier it is my brain to just is to just switch from like, uh, like skateboarding to jujitsu. Mm -hmm. For those of you who've skate skateboarded out there, and especially if you learn how to like kick flip, well, you got your kick flip, your switch flip, your nollie, and your fakie flip, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you have an arm bar in jujitsu. Well, you have a guarded arm bar, a mounted arm bar, an arm bar from back control. You have all these different things. Well, they're just different stances that we're doing the same exact move from. So to that degree, you can already see just in one analogy, if I get a kid who's in my class who skateboards, mm -hmm. I can drop that analogy on them. I'll teach them an armbar from guard, and I'll just say, okay, so you got that armbar down, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, and I'll just hit him with that analogy. Well, mm. now I've saved him three lessons because I don't have to teach it to him from back control. I don't have to teach it to him from side control. For the most part, they're going to be able to intuit how to do it. That was good. Uh, rhyme. Um, they'll be able to just kind of use their intuition to figure out how to do the rest. And mm. then you have to come back and clean up little details here and there. But for the most part, they figure it out on their own. I've always kind of been a teacher, I guess, to answer the question succinctly. Sure. I've always kind of like um, not been ahead or anything like that, but I'm kind of intermediate at everything. So anytime someone wants to get into the thing I'm interested in, whether that be music or, heck, I love teaching chess, mm -hmm. um, well, I'm, I'm kind of already intermediate at it, and I'll help people get up to that level. In fact, and even in jiu-jitsu, most of my techniques I'm, I feel like I'm intermediate at I just under hopefully I have an understanding of them that's more expert, if that I, makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. and my ability to translate it is also mm -hmm. hopefully very good. Yeah, something that I thought that that really stuck out to me about that answer, particularly, is you like you do your best to really understand the person and, and their goal, and you want to capitalize on any pre-existing knowledge that they have. Definitely. Okay, and, and correct as necessary. It sounds. It sounds like yeah. Um, and and that I and that kind of transitions me to my next little bit. bit. So, this is, your gym is called Mentality Martial Arts, right? Ba yes. Ba based in Atlantic Beach, Florida, um, and you have an adults program, but you also have a kids program. Yeah, and, two of them actually. Two two kids programs. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you speak a little bit about your, your your kids' programs, and maybe even just seeing how the kids have evolved a little bit in this time. Yeah, I'm super proud of the kids' programs. Anyone who, like, and I keep saying this, anyone who runs a martial arts gym, like, most of them are operated on 
the fact that they're teaching kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I have 45 kids enrolled in my kids' programs wow, altogether, awesome. and I only have 25 adults, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that, that number kind of ebbs and flows, depending. Like, right now, it's just before school year starts, so there's less right. kids. Um, um, kids are super – the analogy I always give or the thing I always say is, like, I really like working with kids because they learn super fast, but they don't have a lot of focus. Whereas <laughs> adults have infinite focus, but they also learn really slow. Um, so it's kind of like this dichotomy between the two and transitioning back and forth. Um, so the kids, it's all about like extracting as much focus from them as you can in any one class. Mm -hmm. And every kid is going to present to you a different amount of focus each day, like depending on the day that they're having. Gotcha. So kind of understanding your kids and like they came in with a glum attitude well, it's five minutes before class. See if you can shake them out of it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll go. That's the reason if you walk in before kids' class and my back's feeling good, uh, I'll be wrestling with the kids before it even starts. I'll, I'm, generally speaking, I pick out the kid who looks like they're having the worst day. I try mm. and shake them out of it so that way when they get onto the mats and it's time to actually focus, they're, like, here. They're ready for it. They're in excited and engaged. Um, one, The thing I'm most proud of with my kids' program is having – so I have a younger kids' program mm -hmm. that's, like, uh, ages 5 to um, 8 – Okay. depending on maturity level, right? So sometimes I've had four-year-olds who are very mature and they're quiet and they listen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have 10-year-olds who are maybe on smaller side, they're immature and they're not ready for the older kids' class, so they stick around in gotcha. the younger kids' class. Gotcha. But I'm really proud that I've had kids transition from my younger kids' class to my older kids' class, mm -hmm. and I've had older kids transition from my older kids' class to my adults' class, so I have this kind of like like we were talking about the stream earlier, like kind of like, or this river, I kind of have, I'm very proud that there's a pathway all yeah. the way from being a little tyke to being hopefully a world champion. It'd be really cool to have like a, you know, have a young kid in here who's going to really take over. Um, Matter of time. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had, there's a few candidates, that's for sure. In fact, all the kids, it's so funny. Like you always get told that, as a child, and I don't have any children of my own, but when I was a kid, you know, your parents or whoever your loved ones are always tells you, you can do anything you want if you set your mind to it. Mm -hmm. I look at each and every one of these kids, I'm like, any one of them could be a world champion if they, you know, if they really desire, desire to do it and they um, point their heart in the right direction. They, mm -hmm. like, there's so many kids, you know, I want to point it like, oh, say Bodie, David's, uh, Dave Reed's kid, like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to take it over. But any one of these kids in here uh, could absolutely do that if they just set their heart to it. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. And, and talk about the time advantage, right? Yeah. I mean, they can get those 10,000 hours, you know, by the time they're 16 even. Yeah. And, and at that point, they're just little monsters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, grown little monsters. But For at the, sure. But at the same time. Um, and the the mindset, right, that comes with jujitsu, um, that kind of calm, gentle, metho metho methodological, I think I said that right, the method they, yeah yeah the method there uh, there's a method to the madness so to speak it's not just go out there flow your arms get on get on someone's stomach and just start wailing on them yeah um for the kids right it infinite learning ability focus have you seen instances where jujitsu has affected focus in the kids or has reshaped how they've understood things a little bit um, and it's okay if you haven't. I was just more so genu genuinely curious. Like, have you seen mindset change in the kids? Definitely. Okay. That's something I really, um, that's something I focus on, especially before competition. There's mm -hmm. like a lot of little speeches I give um, to kind of inspire them a little bit. Hopefully, I mean, my job is to teach them how to do jujitsu. Like, I try not to overstep my bounds as far as like what right, I'm here right, to right. do. 
However, you know, people confide in me as their coach in a lot of different ways. Um, one, one thing is as far as like, uh, the mentality I've, um, one of the big phrases in my kids' classes: "Succeed despite." You know, when you when you're in the kids' classes, there's a lot of Can reasons you like that real quick? succeed despite, and then insert okay. your excuse afterwards. And this is for everyone: succeed despite, and then whatever you think is holding you back, put that in there because there's a thousand reasons that you can't do something. Like mm. name anything you want. There's a thousand reasons why it won't work and why you can't do it, and it's not the right time, and all this. But you only need one reason to make it work. And this is kind of the beauty of like belief is that you just got to find one reason why it could work and focus on that because there's always going to be a thousand reasons why you can't, you know, cross the road. There's a thousand cars coming sure. by. Yeah, but there's opportunities if you stay privy to them. So that's one thing I teach my kids is, is succeed despite. They tend to come in with um, not more excuses, but, you know, it'll be something like, ah, oh, yeah, I stubbed my toe earlier or mm -hmm. I got a tummy ache or, you know, um, my, like my gi's not fitting properly today. <laughs> and, you just, and you kind of remind them, succeed despite, you know, this is kind of what we're learning to do. It's like, mm -hmm. if your gi is not fit or like you stubbed your toe, that's not going to be the worst thing that's going to happen in your round. Someone's going to be choking you unconscious, you know, right. like don't worry about your toe because someone's going to break your arm if you're not careful. So uh, succeed despite is kind of a big one. And then uh, it's also not mean to win. You know, that's something I teach my kids as well is that especially in wrestling, it can be kind of difficult because it's a zero sum game. It's I win, you lose or mm -hmm. you win and I lose. And sometimes that makes kids cry, especially in competition. Um, sometimes it makes them feel uneasy and it can also scare them away from victory because they don't most kids don't want to be mean. And in fact, I don't think any kid wants to be mean. They've been tricked into thinking that's the correct thing to do. Um, but that it's not mean to win in jujitsu. That's a big speech I gave to my kids. Um, before is it's that exactly that it's not mean to win and so in that regard I think I've seen their focus grow mm -hmm. maybe modicums but that's probably due to their age you know I've been gotcha. with some of these kids for like a year mm -hmm. so as they see jujitsu getting cooler and cooler and they get better and better at it and they get older their focus grows right because right. they're getting older but I can't attribute that to anything I'm doing but as far as their mentality like one of our uh, students, Serena, just had like her best breakthrough competition performance. Mm -hmm. You know, the first two competitions uh, were tough for her. And this last one, she looked like a monster. She was out there passing guards, throwing people, um, escaping submissions, putting on submissions. And she mm -hmm. was succeeding despite and the fact that it feels mean to win. So or it can feel mean to win, but it's not. So those are some of the those mm -hmm. are just some of the ideas I pass around to my kids and hopefully it helps them. I don't really know. Yeah, well, I think that mean to win part, right? That That is developing a healthy understanding of when you need to be, when you need to push forward and to have that additional drive. A little yeah. more uh, energy and aggression, but no malice. Yes. Yeah, uh, exactly I, right. And that that is a lesson I feel like that comes with time regardless, at, in or out of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, and professionally speaking, and, and success despite, I like that. That's honest. my. That's been my big thing for the past probably two years. You know, mm -hmm. even op just part of opening this business has been that. Like, yeah. So, uh, can we can we lean into that a little bit? So sure. Success despite this, going all the way back to the beginning. How did this opportunity come up? Was it just you woke up one day and I'm just like now's the time, um, or was there? A, a break point or like what it was happened definitely there? uh no it was slow and steady i have driven by i had driven by this unit because it's right next to my house and it's on the way into uh, and from my work which was at the beaches rock gym 
Um, and I looked at this unit for months and months mm-hmm. and months and months. And I kept telling myself and I tell my uh, girlfriend, Allie, all the time. Oh, my gosh, a studio would be perfect right there. That's just the right amount of space. I bet it's not that expensive. Turns out that's not true, um, but uh, <laughs> but have, it is the perfect students. spot. So I got yeah, I got one thing that's per- correct is that it's the perfect spot, and the second thing incorrect, which is that it's not that expensive. But um, uh, and I just looked at it over and over and over again, and I've always had uh, the desire to open up my own studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the gym I used to train at, the training yard, didn't offer uh, like consistent classes during this time, and um, so I just been looking at it for a really really long time just huge desire to to probably about four or five months and then i finally broke and ran in with a check and just paid the first month's deposit and the lease and or that first month's deposit and rent and signed the lease and kind of just went after it so um in in those in those early stages um because you had that kind of break breakthrough moment it's like i'm gonna do the do the thing i'm gonna open up this studio um and I know there's challenges with starting any new business, whether yeah. it's just getting the tax stuff set up or getting the business name, the domain, getting a logo. Yeah. Um, what was one of the more challenging things aside from the financial, just like writing the check? Like, it, was there a mindset thing? Was it just basic things like, how do I get these mats here? Um, yeah, that was uh, as far as just getting the gym open and people in the door. Um, were you worried that it was just going to fall through in the first month? Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like the kind of the big thing is getting your break even point and understanding how much money do I have. So like, okay, you need X amount of people to pay all your overhead. Like you're going to charge X, Y amount of dollars a month to X amount of people. And that needs to be at least your overhead. Mm -hmm. And this was my circumstance because I was already, I had a a job that I could work, uh, in the mornings and work Mm -hmm. till basically four o'clock. And then I'd jet over here and start teaching kids and do the adults class. Um, so I had what would be a fallback. Right. So now the next goal is I need to then save up enough money to be able to pay off the gym if it fails. So I have a, a stipulation in my lease that says I can bail out for X amount of money. I can get myself out of the lease and they're not going to come for, because it's a, however, blood. Yeah. a few years lease, they could come after my credit or whatever it is. Mm. So I asked them for this stipulation. So I put... A lot of things fell into place, and I asked and pushed for a lot of things that were going to make it more palatable for me, Mm. like the fact that I could bail out. So then my next goal, I guess there was an intermediate goal, is like I need X amount of people. Well, I'm not going to get that amount of people immediately. It's going to take me a few months. So how many people can I get versus how much will that am I paying out of pocket each month to keep the gym open, which Mm. for the first few months I was you know paying a few hundred bucks out of my own money, just out of my own savings, to keep the gym open while I built up the community. Um, unfortunately, honestly, if I'm the, the gym took off much faster than I expected, um, people really were super supportive of it. And I didn't have, I think, but one month where I paid a, f- a few hundred dollars on top of the dues that I collected. Right. That being said, the, you know, I was take from the gym only maybe a f- few hundred bucks. If I had a bookkeeper, they'd say, no, you were in the red. The way I do my books, I was in the green in some amount, <laughs> um, uh, where I was just being pot, like, obnoxiously positive about it right um a a month open is positive yeah exactly yeah so um so there's all these kind of intermediate goals that kind of like allowed me to stimmy the negative feelings Mm -hmm. through there 
Um, I, the one of the hardest parts that I didn't expect was getting the sign. The sign is expensive. Like really? they charge you per letter. Um, and that oh, sign I got for a, 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 a really good deal. So like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my my gym name is Mentality Martial Arts, which I think is 18 letters. Um, Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And uh, well, that's like a seven thousand dollar sign, you know, which is more than wow. I paid for. <laughs> Uh, the mat, all the mats in here, right? Just to have the sign. So That's I just incredible. put jujitsu up there because it's more concise. It actually tells people what I'm doing. Martial arts can mean any number of things. Um, so I just put the words jujitsu. That's nine letters, and uh, might be it might be eight. I don't know how to spell, but um, who's counting? Now I have to know. Yeah, it's eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was one of the more unexpected like expenses. Um, yeah, I, gosh, it's tough because I'm like chronically positive. I'm like, what, like, uh, sure. what do they call it? Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. Uh, where okay. to the point where it's like, there's always a silver lining. So it's hard for me to say like what was the most difficult part. Um, yeah, taking the leap. You know, it's like just committing yourself to doing it and then planning it out mm -hmm. and coming up with stages. Believing in yourself is probably the hardest part. Is like. You can mm -hmm. uh, so like I constructed all these plans. Checklists right. is how I did it with a with dozens of checklists. Right. Here's what here's the goal. Here's the checklist that I need to do to accomplish it. And I taped them to my wall next to my computer. So by okay. the time I had this place running for a year, I had ten checklists that all had twenty different things on them right. that I had to get done. Um, and while you're writing it, it's hard. Like you feel like it's a good idea, but you're also second guessing yourself. Like is I'm like a nobody. Like, why would any of this work? Jeff Bezos doesn't have a checklist. Like, <laughs> or I'm just calling out one person. I have no idea. Like, insert person here business who's successful. Here. Yeah, yeah, someone who's successful and is a, in owns a business. This isn't how they did it. Like, I had a lot of uh, imposter syndrome as far as like, sure, I'm just some crazy guy with a wall full of checklists, um, <laughs> and just trying to check off as many as I can each and sure. every day. And uh, turns out it ended up working. Um, I just retired my checklist wall. Uh, I kept all the checklists. I put them in a manila folder and like taped them all to that and closed it like a pop-up book so I can mm. reflect on what I've done. Yeah. Um, now I'm a calendar guy. I've got a calendar up Calendars, there. So yeah, that's awesome. Slowly transitioning. Uh, but that was probably the hardest part is believing in yourself well enough to actually believe in your plan. Mm -hmm. Believe in yourself, create a plan, and then believe in that plan. That being said, I'm like peanuts. You know, this gym is very small. Obviously, it means a lot to a lot of people. It means a lot to me. And that's all that matters to me. But like, mm -hmm. as I reflect on what I'm saying, it sounds like I've done something tremendous. But really, all I did is put some mats in a room and yell at a bunch of people to fight each other. So, <laughs> like... I try not to. I don't want to give myself too much credit or like, you know. I, true, 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 and and that humility is appreciated. And at the same time, credit where credits due. In your eyes, because you've been involved in the sport, the the and the martial art for such a long time, to you this is a run of the mill Thursday, um, and you've it's just hey we're doing mats tonight. That's what we're doing. Where you need to give yourself a little bit of credit, you created a community. You opened the door, and not only did you open the door for yourself to, you know, be your own man in terms of business, right? You opened this door for sixty plus people to explore an entire new aspect of themselves and explore growth in a way that they're probably not going to get, because um, this is. When you're on those mats, you're challenging someone, but you're also challenging yourself at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and that has been my experience, certainly. Um, 
oh, I had the train of thought was there, and then the train train went. Well, I just appre- uh, that's I appreciate you a lot for kind of talking me down off of the uh, self deprecation. I owe a lot of the community building to my opportunity to run the Beaches Rock Gym for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. I basically got to learn how to run a business without any of the risk. And I was there oh. kind of every step of the way for a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether that be through through many different things, I got to experience it without any of the risk. It was someone else's money. It was someone else's kind of uh, dream. But I got mm-hmm. to learn how to build a community from there um, and learn kind of like, I think when I started there, we didn't even have a phone line. So it's like, you know, we watch wow. even the small minutia of problem solving as far as like, well, if you can have a business running and people in the door and you don't even have a phone yet, like, or the website is ramshackled or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, not that the Beaches Rock Gym is, but, like, my my website is, like, cobbled together from, like, script and <laughs> just random stuff. It's like a Google domain. Right. They charge you $12 a year. That's a dollar a month. And it's such a, like, not to talk down on Google <laughs> if they're if you're listening out there, Google. They're um, always listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the website building attributes are really like minimal, mm-hmm. but it's super easy. So like I guess what I mean to say is like getting to work at the beaches rock gym was a huge blessing to be able to learn how to do this, have the confidence in myself to be able to do it, and to learn how to build a community, which just comes from being gregarious and being genuine and wanting like all like there's very few things in life that like get worse when more people do it like maybe fishing like you have too many people on your spot (laughs) like that would get probably annoying but like for the most part like client uh this is something nate zwirling told me the manager of the edge Mm -hmm. you know he was super helpful teaching me some management tricks and just like leadership tricks and he uh managed the rock gym on the other side of town and i was always so curious like why would he be so helpful to me and he says, well, John, there's so few climbers, right? There's, like, almost none in our sport. There's, like, there's a huge climbing community, and when you're in it, it seems like there's a bunch. But as far as, like, football and soccer and mm-hmm. uh, microbreweries, like, name any sort of thing that you might be into. It doesn't really matter what you name. Chances are there's more of that than there are climbers. Mm. Well, if you're talking jiu-jitsu, like, climbing's on the up, and jiu-jitsu's, like you don't get to take it easy on yourself. There's probably, I'd argue, less jiu-jitsu players than there are climbers, or at least those communities are really similar. So Nate told me, he's like, you're only helping me, right? You're creating new climbers, right? Uh, That's what you're doing is you're taking a bunch of people who don't climb, showing them climbing, and now there's more people for my business as well. That's kind of the perspective I keep with jiu-jitsu. I'm flanked on all sides. There's a one block away, there's a jiu-jitsu gym. Mm -hmm. Three blocks away, there's two more. Mm-hmm. Um, on all sides, there's jujitsu gyms all around me and it's easy to feel like, um, you know, we're all c- combating for this, for mm-hmm. new kid on the block. Yeah. We're all combating for the same pool of people, but really what we're doing is we're creating, we're all creating the community for each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, jujitsu is such a fringe thing to do. It's like everyone is ca- kind of like helping one another just by creating new, new jujitsu players. Right. Right. Cause I might, I might inspire someone to do jujitsu, but they like maybe, can't afford my gym, so they go somewhere else. Or maybe they want to train underneath a black belt. Mm-hmm. Like they want a, uh, there's a way more accredited black belt a block away from me. You know, mm-hmm. his master professor got, you know, six stripes on his black belt, trained under who's and whatever straight out of Brazil. You know, and they want to train under him. That's great. You know, it's like, and same thing, someone may not want as intensive training there or they want a more family atmosphere. And that's to some degree what I provide. Also, mm-hmm. like, you've, you've kind of seen the aesthetic of my gym. It's a little bit less, like, it's more meditative. 
is kind of the space that I wanted to kind of create, you know? Yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, I got sure. plants in here, like try and do like a lot of like natural wood. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got like kind of Asian inspired or J Japanese inspired like aesthetic in here. And part yeah. of the reason is because I wanted a space to meditate. It's called mentality martial arts, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to some other gyms, they might be called like, um, kind of like take a little bit more of a um, uh, high energy. Yeah, more high energy. It's like it kind of provides a different like everyone cultivates their own um, their own atmosphere. And that appeals mm -hmm. to different people. You know, no, we're 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 like, why be so competitive with one another when we're all wanting the same thing, which is more jujitsu mm -hmm. kind of to some degree. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but um, you know, same, same train of thought as the climbing analogy earlier, yeah. earlier. Yeah. Right. It's introducing the next generation. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, it grows the business for everyone because life happens, right? Uh, they could be there one day and here the next and vice versa. I, I want to touch on something real quick that stuck out to me as well. Uh, if we could take a back step um, to your roadmaps, actually, it, uh, when you were trying to start the business. When it came to forming those roadmaps, did someone give you a template? Was it just like personal goals that you had that you wanted to put up on the wall and go, okay, cross this one off? And that was a good driver in the beginning. Did those roadmaps, aside from serving a very literal purpose of these are the plans I want to accomplish, did they also assist motivation or anything else to go along with that? Well, my uh, former coach, Dean, uh, he gave me a like a checklist of kind of like ideas, mm -hmm. like things to think about and like uh, kind of corroborating some of the ideas I liked. Like I wanted white mats and he's like, yeah, get white mats, you know, make sure that you got a good location, big sign, um, lot like don't open too many classes too fast mm -hmm. kind of situation. He uh, told me something that is kind of like morbid, but to some degree like true is like, don't rely on your friends to show up. You know, like you need to be willing to like, your friends may not be motivated to do what it is. Like I told you, it's like, most of my friends don't do martial arts. I've mm -hmm. had one successful friend, uh, my buddy Sam, so proud of him, earned his purple belt recently. Oh, uh, that's training. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, or not even recently, probably, like, a year or two ago by now. But uh, anyways, he, I got, finally got one person into it, and he stuck with it, um, which I'm super, obviously, proud of him for. Um, but I did have kind of, like, it's not a template, but as far as the checklist, they're very literal. It's like, mm -hmm. get an LLC, sign up for insurance, you know, like, start a business bank account find business credit, like these sorts of things. And there's so many things that you need to do that have to get done. Mm -hmm. um, that if you rely on your memory to order them and to remind you, you're going to forget some things or you might, or it could be so overwhelming that you may not even get started, mm. but with something as easy as a checklist and just writing down like, okay, well the literal Oh, if I want to open that door that's behind you right there, mm -hmm. well, I need to contact the uh, landlord. I need to sign the lease. I need a deposit and I need the first month's rent. Mm. Right. That's and then I got to get a key made and then I can open the door. OK, right. well, now that the door is open, I need places for people to sit. If they're going to be in my business, I need insurance. I need something for us to grapple on. Mm -hmm. And I need some amount of like that bathroom's got to get clean because it's gross. And it yeah. was true when I came in here, that bathroom looked, you know, real. I mean. The bathroom still doesn't look great because it's an old bathroom, but well, it it, at least it smells <laughs> clean and it looks clean, or at least the stuff that I can clean. It's got like linoleum floor that I like can't scrub away. Yeah. Um, 
so there's like just literal things that must be done mm-hmm. and might as well write those down and categorize them in the things that need to be done. Um, I'm trying to think you need a fire extinguisher, right? You need exit signs. Mm-hmm. You have to get uh, sign up uh, for a business tax license. This g- green sheet of paper back here. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You, like there's all these little minutia. Uh, you got to turn on your power. You got to turn on your water. There's, you know, all these things I just wrote down because it's much easier for me to write them down and reflect on them, you know, on the days I had off from the rock gym or the afternoons I had off. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, even strategy stuff, like make sure to get a month lead out. Like I I arbitrated for one month free on my lease. Like, hey, I need a month to actually build out the business so I can start earning money to then pay you the rent. So he gave me the first month free, Mm. right? And all I had to do was ask. Right. So better to ask and get told no than not ask at all and just assume. And now you're out your entire one month of rent and you're actually in the hole for that much. So I got a month free, which gave me all the time I needed to accomplish a lot of these things, turn on the power and water, uh, get some ramshackled mats in here. I don't think you even start when you started here. We had the white mats, right? Yes. We, we just so uh, for the folks at home, uh, how, how much square footage of mat space? We have uh <laughs> I say twelve hundred, but it's eleven hundred and fifty-eight. I think close, close so, enough. So I like to round that last forty-two. Um, when I first started, John has a wonderful combination of uh, white and purple mats here. And when I first started, it was just white mats, and there wasn't padded walls. No padded walls, yeah. No padded walls. And what would you estimate that square footage as? Maybe eight hundred. So I added twelve, twelve of the purple mats, and each one of those is. Uh, two square meters. Uh, oh, meters. Okay. So yeah, they uh, the, all the mats and the tatami mats that you'll buy are all one meter by two. Mm. Uh, I don't know the conversion, but anyways, I added twelve more. So it'd be if we had right now it's nine by twelve, so that's one hundred and eight square meters. Mm-hmm. Well, then we had twelve less square meters than that uh, when you first started. So for those of you listening, I hope that was helpful. Uh, you could use like a ratio. We didn't have padded walls either. But if I had to estimate, it'd be mm, 900 square 900? foot. But when I started, I had 400. Wow. Yeah. So when and I started. were they mats? They were not. It was not mats. No. So, I mean, like it was technically, but uh, one of the one of the biggest just serendipities that I had or just blind luck is that the Beaches Rock Gym was replacing their dolomer mats mm. at the same time I was opening up this business. They were going to have to drive these things to the dump right and probably even pay to have them disposed of or find someone who wanted to buy them or give them away to the climbing community well fortunately uh mac and dean uh offered to give them to me for what i needed them for so i took the best pieces cut them into equal lengths and i brought them over here laid them all out and then i took a boat tarp just a common blue tarp Mm -hmm. and put that over top and pinned it down with two by fours so I started with 450 square foot of ram, like literally ramshackled mats, and that's gonna be the second time I use that word to describe my business. Um, ramshackled mats that did not have enough space. I had 20 people show up to my first class, and we mm-hmm. did it on 400 square foot of tarp. And that's not even the first time I've taught on a tarp. So I used to do personals at my buddy's house, and mm-hmm. I'd bring a tarp, we put it in his front yard, and I'd teach his kid. So okay. and that didn't even have pads underneath. But this goes back to succeed despite. I didn't have mats. Mm -hmm. I had enough money to open the doors. Mm -hmm. um, And I found some, I cobbled together a surface Mm -hmm. that was enough to build a community that had enough money for then me to invest in professional mats. And 
I guess the, okay, so like now I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but like sure. people want to be part of your growth when you're mm-hmm. opening a business. They like, if you, if you're waiting to open your business to have it perfect and have it as the final result, <clears throat> that can be awesome if you already have the overhead and you have the money to invest in it and you want to be like a, and you desire to be a, like a shadow partner, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to invest all this money. You're going to put the person in charge and you're going to be able to sit back and kind of make a passive income on your business. Mm-hmm. I've, I have owned one business. So take this with a grain of salt if you're listening to me. Uh, so it sounds like I've got a lot, but one from, more than I have, man. <laughs> from what I from what I've gathered from managing the rock gym and this is that people really like to be part of your growth. You know, so the people who were here, they got to see the evolution of the gym and be part of it like and get part of this story. They get part of they get like woven into this story is like you know, the people who first started with me were on the blue mats. And then like the person comes in like, man, these new mats are nice. And like, you weren't even here at the blue mat time. And that gives them like a sense of ownership of the history of the gym is that they got to be part of the part of the growth of it. That's the same thing at the rock gym. Mm -hmm. We had, um, climbers when we first started, were just one unit and we had walls one through five, six and seven in the small wall. And Mm -hmm. there's a hallway that led to the bathroom and that was it. And it was just a little boulder hall. And then we managed to fill that place up. It was the opportunity arose to get the next unit expanded over, made the auto blaze and the kilter board. And then all those people got to be part of that growth. They got to see mm-hmm. the gym. They're like when we first started, there wasn't even any way to get water there. We didn't sell really? water. We didn't have wow. water. There is not a water fountain. I just went and filled up water jugs, five gallon jugs, the same way I do it here. And I'd go to Publix and fill up water jugs and just bring them back. Bring them, for, wow. And we, we got a hand-me-down uh, water dispenser that I just tucked over in the corner. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's a hundred two degrees in a summer yeah, day, and I have people a, in there trying to convince place. them to boulder. It's so much fun! Don't you want to climb? And it's like you know, we got a fan, and uh, I got a five gallon jug of water, and it's John and some walls, and this is what <laughs> we're gonna do. And if you come in, you know, here's give me fifteen bucks and let's climb. You know, right. and uh, uh, ramshackle seems to be a recurring theme. Yeah, it sounds it's, like. sorry, I keep using that word. It's one of my favorite words, but I really. Feel like it describes kind of the way that I've you know managed to do stuff. I mean that Beaches Rock Gym, scrappy gym. You know, mm-hmm. it was like the way it started. And now go figure, you fill up your space, let it expand naturally, fill it up again, let it expand naturally. They're on their third expansion now. Yeah, um, it's looking really good, by the way. Yeah, I have not been by to see it, um, but uh, or at least uh, not recently, as far as them skinning that third wall. But you know. I'm really proud that I was any part of like helping that place expand and grow to go to be the way that it is. Um, but I just think that that model is perfect. Like I had mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. My version of that expansion would be like, I had 400 square foot of mats. I filled them. Mm-hmm. Then I got 800 square foot of mats and I filled them. And now hopefully I'm still not struggling to fill the 1200 square foot, but I'm right. working towards that. And I'm, you know, with my kids classes, I'm with uh, my older kids class. I got 20 kids on the mats pretty regularly Mm -hmm. 20 to like anywhere from 16 to 24 kids a day yeah you're filling the parking lot out there yeah and um and with the adults we were getting to the point now where you know on wednesday we had 14 people on the mats Mm -hmm. i'd like to see classes as big as 20 Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna have a seminar coming up um the 20th and they'll probably have about 20 maybe 30 people on the mats then we'll really be pushing it but it won't be long before like i need to go this way i'm gesturing behind me to those who can't see me which is the next unit right um and if that opportunity ever comes i'll be happy to take it um, but so, slowly just kind of organically filling out your space and people like, so if you're waiting to, to open your business for it to be perfect, that time might not ever come mm-hmm. and it probably likely won't. 
and people want to be part of your story anyways, so let them. Right. So I guess that's kind of my tangent. And thank you for that because I was going to ask what advice do you have for the new person, that that person yeah. that has that dream, has that passion, and you definitely touched on that to, to a large extent. Um, so it, you're right because it's not going to be perfect. I mean, we're looking at my setup right here. Yeah. Thankfully, I had a little bit of uh, investment to pour into it. But what helps me as someone who is trying to start their own thing with this podcast is part of that growth process. That's encouraging for me to hear as someone who's trying to dive into this new world of, okay, what does media look like? I don't, cause I don't even have a website. I haven't edited my first ed episode yet. It's been recorded and I'm really excited to post it. And I love the, and I love conversation Yeah, and, and getting to know the folks across the table. So you, you open this business, you've expanded, and you've gotten to this point where you wait, into, and I think there's great wisdom, into let it get to its capacity, and then boom, upgrade from there. In terms of trying to evaluate that capacity, it's not always, is it always based on the amount of folks that show up, or do you, ha do you try to project it out to the best of your ability? Like, say you have, uh, in the past year, you've, indoctrinated if you will 20 white belts or something and these are hypothetical numbers and you with these 20 white belts you know you can fill this space based on that do you believe that you would feel more comfortable opening up that next space based on that initial projection or am i, I i'm I'm confused. I, I like the proof is in the pudding kind of thing. This okay. is the second thing I was going to say about kind of opening a business is like don't burn like I definitely didn't like burn the boats on the shore kind of situation like Cortez like oh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't like say oh I'm doing this and I'm quitting my job to do it or anything like that mm -hmm. um or at least like for some people that might be the way that they need to go but I had the safety net of the beaches rock gym and I right. was able to time both and be able to do both and for a while actually make incomes from both mm -hmm. um which was really helpful in the beginning for me because for the, sure. the income from this was minimal if if any mm -hmm. and having being able to pay my rent at my house was super important <laughs> yeah. um so gotta eat <laughs> So to some degree, uh, like I'm kind of waiting for the proof to be in the pudding. I, mm -hmm. I let my students or, you know, for instance, the climbers, if we're using that analogy, like prove it, prove it to me that we need more. Right. Mm -hmm. Like and I'm going to I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm going to be answering your phone calls and texts. I'm going to be teaching the jujitsu and I'm going to be here to help you out, like with anything you need. If you got a question after class, mm -hmm. I'll talk to you for 30 minutes about that question as long as no one else needs me as well. Mm -hmm. And. I just feel like by giving, if I just give all myself away, right, and I per equip you guys properly, well, you're going to enjoy it enough to bring more people, and they'll bring more people, and they'll bring more people. Gotcha. And sure, we'll boil some of them out, most of them. Mm -hmm. But I try not to project uh, kind of into the future so much. I like, you know, when you start to get to 80% capacity of where you're at, mm -hmm. then it starts to time to, like, at least – you know, you, you kind of plan for the best, but expect the worst sort of situation. Gotcha. So like when I get to like 80% of my goal, like I figure by the time I get to 85 students, right, it'll come to the point where I'm like, I need more. They need more. Like mm -hmm. not I need more, but we need more as a community. Uh, definitely by 100, you know, I'll need more mat space than this. This is actually for quite sure. a lot of mat space. Like for really in a lot of gyms, you'd be able to 
because we have so many new people, the rounds take up a lot of space. Mm -hmm. But if it was 30 black belts and 30 brown belts or something like that, or like let's say 15 and 15, you wouldn't need as much space because the rounds are so much more compact and smaller and the details are smaller. What they're fighting over tends to be a little bit smaller. Um, whereas with white belts, you guys are pushing and shoving each other all the way around the mat. So sometimes even six groups seems like a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But um, as time goes on and we pack out the mats more, like this should be plenty of space. Those three mats right there is enough for a full round to occur on. You know, oh, you, don't, sure. you don't need much yeah. more than that. Um, so we're kind of blessed for space, honestly, in our gym with the amount of people we have versus the amount of mat space. Mm-hmm. But I, I try not to project too much in the future. Like the only projection I make is that summer is kind of slow for kids because they go on trips and they go and they're taking time off and they're just doing other things. So like you can kind of expect that um, the kids will kind of drop off a little bit. And then when gotcha. school year starts, their parents, you know, they either need something for after school for them or they mm-hmm. – they realize that their kid needs more focus and more discipline, so they're trying to find something like that. Or they're just in town, so they're they're going to be here for the next eight months. Mm-hmm. So time to get them back in jujitsu, right? Kind of situation. So that's that's probably the only projecting I do is that like where the kids come and go, you know. Gotcha. So do that with your core, whatever your core group of people is. There's probably an ebb and flow to why they are or are not there during that time of the year. So keep keep that in mind. I mean, if you're renting surfboards, you can be sure that you're going to rent more in the summer than you will in the <laughs> yeah, fall. Sure thing. Um, kind of situation. So, and in and in dealing with uh, your clientele, what are some of the methods you've approached to people that are maybe require a little extra touch or maybe a little more challenging than others? Maybe you've explained it a few times and they're not quite getting it. Or their attitude is wrong. I, these are different. These are different issues, by the way. Do you mean um, like uh, onboarding them into jujitsu, or a student that I've had for a while? From the approach of someone who is new. Oh, okay. Yeah, it can be kind of tricky. I've I've talked to a few of my students about this before. Um, yeah. You can't give too much of yourself away. And okay. to the new students, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you've you been here for eight months and you've earned my attention, right? And if I just give everything to the to the new student trying to convince them to do the thing that you already want to do, mm-hmm. well, that's not a good application of, at least in my opinion, of my energy. Gotcha. Right? So I'm always looking for the person who wants it and I'm going to then give them my energy and my focus. Once again, it's like the thing that I love most. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. So why pour that into someone who's resistant to the idea? Um, that being said, you have to be open and honest and helpful to new people. Right. Um, a big thing I think is for new people. And I say this all the time is like after the first six months, they finally get to see it through like the fog of battle. Right. You like, you just watch a white belt, like as, as, as if like it was two cannon brigades just firing at each other from Mm -hmm. either side. And there's just smoke all throughout the battlefield and you just see the white belts stumbling around in the smoke with no idea where to go and suddenly their head pops through the smoke and they see you the captain and i'm like hey over here this is where your jujitsu is heading and they finally see through the smoke they go oh my god it actually not only does it work but there's a system behind it and Mm -hmm. there's a way that i can traverse this system such that it honors the way that i like to fight and it's effective and there's some amount of faith that a new person has to have in the fact that, well, Jack started eight months ago and look how he's grappling. Wouldn't you want to grapple like Jack? And they go, well, yeah, I would. Well, then you have to believe me because Jack learned from me. 
right? And he, mm. he was able to do it, and Sarah was able to do it, and John was able to do it. Like all these people that you think are so great and that one day you want to be as good as, they learned the same way. They had, to, they had to throw themselves into the fire a little bit and then fight their way out, and through that you're going to develop this path and an understanding. You can't really start from understanding because it's such an intricate thing. It's like asking someone like, well, I don't want to go back to like a chess analogy, but it's like you have to learn arbitrarily how the pieces move before mm -hmm. you can start to learn about tactics and before you can start to learn about strategies or openings or uh, defenses. You can't even begin that conversation until you've learned how the pieces move. Got those Pawn moves forward. The knight moves in a weird little L. The bishops go diagonally. The rooks go orthogonally. Like, and that moment for people is that first three to six months where there's no rhyme or reason to it. I'm saying like, shrimp your hips, mm -hmm. get on your hip. You know, like they're, they're looking at these shrimp drills like this is the most useless thing I've ever been taught. And then suddenly they escape side control using it and they go, oh my God, I've had people tell me this. I shrimped out, I shrimped out of his side control. And they're so impressed and happy with themselves. I'm like, you're seeing it now. You, you just started to see, the smoke is now clearing and we're starting to see why it is we did that warm up. Why did I bother you about like this small angle change, mm -hmm. right? Like, don't be flat on your back. Like, what does it matter? You know, I'm already sure. pinned. Why be flat? What does it matter if I'm on my side or I'm on my back? I'm pinned. Well, mm -hmm. it's all the difference. It's winning and losing. That's <laughs> this small detail that we went over. So I know I went far away, strewn away from this. So right. coming back to the new, to the new grappler, like there's some amount of faith that they kind of have to give, unless mm -hmm. they already came in with a lot of information. Like some people are MMA like fans and they understand that almost every MMA fighter has some amount of wrestling background or like a purple belt in jujitsu or higher. Mm -hmm. Like not everyone, but uh, I think Holly Holm is like strictly a kickboxer. She probably knows some grappling. You kind of almost have to. Mm -hmm. um, so they already have the belief that like, oh, well, if all the best fighters in the world know some grappling art, then it's worth knowing and that this system works. From the person who's coming from say a different martial art, they may have been taught a they may have been taught a system that they have a lot of faith in mm -hmm. maybe not battle tested and then they come in and um they just don't believe that jujitsu can work like why are we writhing around on the ground i would just punch him out you know it's like if this was a real fight i would just hit you you know and i would have won the fight right there mm -hmm. and it's kind of naive to think but like i i'm almost getting on like my dogma over jujitsu over other martial arts and i don't want to do that but um sure i i think uh and and it goes it goes back to your passion and it goes back to your time time invested in it as well. I th I think the biggest thing is what what you're describing to me and why I'm asking these questions about the onboarding is I try to think about it as you are in a sense a sole person with a lot of clients and there's other folks in this health and wellness space. Um, this is the health systems podcast. It's as much about health as it is about the systems that allow business to operate as well as the system that is the healthcare system. Sure. And what you've just described to me is probably the struggle of many other like personal trainers. Um, yeah, physical, oh my God, yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, physical therapists mm -hmm. even, um, or, or I'm gonna stick with physical therapy just cause I'm, we're operating more in a physical space. If you will, I'm not gonna speak to the other aspects sure. of healthcare. Uh, but it's this idea that you need to, when you have, clientele you have to build rapport you have to meet them where you're at and you have to in a sense indoctrinate them to this is how you do things but also be flexible in that sense right yeah. and th those are valuable lessons 
I, fe- I think, not only for people in these spaces, but also just in business in general, right? Like, think about like management, even. You need to meet your employees where they're at and be receptive to their feedback. But at the end of the day, you're steering this ship. You're instructing folks in this wonderful art that is jujitsu, informing them about the different systems and techniques. Hey, boss, sorry I didn't CC you on that email. All right, I didn't. Why are we having this conversation? The boss didn't know what was going on, and they had to sit down and discuss with you about that. But you learn from it. You may not understand why, but you learn from that. So you change your actions in the same sense. Being on your back versus being on your hips. It's the fog of war, in a sense. Trying to understand what's coming from above so that someone who's an employee, right, can adjust and ultimately serve their purpose, improve their business game, improve their jujitsu game, or even just their own physicality. Um, and that's a great, great lessons, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> cool. Honestly. So, Kind of, kind of bringing it back for a second. What's the dream? More gyms, one large gym. Um, you've mentioned it to me before, but like, what is the? Based on the conversation and, and from what look, from what I know about you so far, I know you have bigger ambitions um, uh, involved. What is like if John could take this community, what he's doing now, and just dream it up and take it to the nines? Like, what does that look like for you? I, well, to some degree, like, if I'm thinking personally, Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely where I want to be at. And at least for the time, I've not been more, have more, uh, like, personal satisfaction out of my work experience than I've ever had. Now, this is still first two years, um, and I felt this way managing the Rock Gym as well, and Mm -hmm. that feeling dwindles, and this one may as well. And obviously, you get jaded, um, like, or it can happen if you don't address gratitude and Mm -hmm. like be thankful for what you have. Um, But the way that it's operating right now, I'm able to afford myself roughly the life I want to be living. Um, Allie's making more money as well. So like our, our household in general is doing fine, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm getting to do exactly what I love to do with people who also love it. So like I'm pretty much blessed up right now with Mm -hmm. what I'm at. I just want to, my dream is to equip my grapplers and students with the with what they need to be successful so that means like more mats more amenities in the gym um like kind of a more i would like to have a more meditative space i guess okay so all right now we're gonna get to it and we're gonna talk a little bit there's the dojo of my mind this has been a concept i've had for two decades and it's like this imaginary space that I go to when I'm like meditating or when I'm in deep in thought and it's kind of this imaginary spot. I dream of having uh, like, I would love to be able to transplant like the gym and not this gym necessarily, but I want a, like a wooded area in the Mm -hmm. center of which is like a giant pagoda that has like those sliding kind of paper doors inside (laughs) are the mats. There's an archery range outside. There's a tortoise that deals with the grass and it's a Zen garden all outside, right? This is the spot that this is what it looks like in my head. This is kind of the spot that I'm at. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, like I'm as close to that as I've ever been. And this might actually be where we're standing right now. This might actually be that dojo of my mind or this kind of like this meditative space. This might be the actual physical manifestation of it, but I would like to then push this place closer to that 
to that to that image. Dr- to, towards that image, and not for any other reason than to like realize kind of what this dream is. Like, it's not mm-hmm. more students. It's not more mat space. It's like more of this building in reality this idea that I have in my brain. Right. Uh, when I started this gym, like I wanted to also learn kendo, which is like a Japanese style of sword fighting that's t- supposed to replicate katanas. Okay. Right. I also wanted to learn how to fence. Those were mm-hmm. two like different things I want to learn because like weapons training is kind of cool. These are more sport oriented, obviously. Like mm-hmm. you're not walking around self defense with, with a, a rapier or a cutlass <laughs> yeah. or a katana, although you could. I think in Florida, I don't really know. <laughs> um, but those are desires that I've had of my own. So like I would love to have a studio where I can hire people to run those classes and then mm-hmm. I could take them myself and become a student. You know, obviously I'm still a student in my jujitsu. Uh, my m- the people that I train with and my students teach me stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Me going over that, uh, the lesson we went over today was equally as helpful for me understanding mm-hmm. the way that I understand stuff. Cause I haven't explained that as succinctly as I have with you. We were talking mm-hmm. about like the flow of mm-hmm. positional control in jujitsu and we kind of drew out this diagram and it looked, it was nice. Yeah. So I've not done as good of a job there as I have with you that then. Anyways, I just want to bring it closer to that idea. What timber frame, you know, like uh, archery range outside, mm-hmm. uh, like almost a palisade wall that goes around it, a meditative space that people could like, I would love to have it so that way people could come to this space when they needed to as like an area of respite, similar to like, you know, I might use a library. Mm. I read an article or... And it was a meme, really, is what it was. And it said, um, and it's not necessarily true, but it says the reason libraries are so valuable is it's one of the few public spaces you can go to that you're not expected to spend any money. You know, like, yeah, you kind of like go to, you can wow. go to the library, entertain yourself with books, learn, get better, and there's no really expectation on you other than you are a human being who's, I guess you're paying taxes. You know, to some degree, we're all paying taxes towards these libraries, mm-hmm. not all of us, but... Um, I want this to be like that third place for people. Gotcha. You know, like you have your home mm. and sometimes that's not where you feel safe or like that's not where you want to be. You have your work. Uh, and for most people, that's not where they want to be at all. <laughs> right. And then hopefully you have your third place. Like, and that's the, right now, that's what this place is for a lot of people is they come get their exercise. They come talk with friends. They uh, get to challenge themselves and then they mm-hmm. go home. And afterwards, you've probably felt this. Nights where you go to work and then you go straight home and you sit and you watch television and like you kind of get couch locked. Sometimes those are some of our least fulfilling nights. You think that that relaxation is really what you need, but then you really feel this itch in the back of your spine. Like I could have done more. I could have done more. And like I worked for someone else towards their goal. And then I came home and I recovered from that. Hmm. I use this as a time to recover from working for someone else towards their goal. And you didn't spend any time working on yourself that day or like furthering your own goals. Mm-hmm. or furthering your own peace of mind or your cardiovascular health or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that third place, I think, regardless of what it is, that could be the skate park, you know, for mm-hmm. some people. That could be, you know, the, like, literally the library you go and you study. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be college or, or school, you know. Some people's school is where they're that kind of like meditative sure. space is. So I'm proud to be someone's third place. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. Uh, so it, do, you, do you meditate? Uh, almost daily. I've been trying to get better at it. I go through phases where I forget to do it or I won't be paying mm. attention. Um, but, uh, for, in, uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've been meditating almost daily. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I'm not very familiar with meditation at all. 
full full transclosure. I, sure. I, I can say that. I'm probably not either, but, <laughs> you know. I, I guess in the sense I I don't actively pursue it. Sure. And I know that people do, and I know there's a ton of benefits. Uh, do you think, like, a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I don't know if I say that word hmm. right. It sounds uh, good. What what value is there in meditation, at least for you, when it comes to either running the business, your personal, um, I mean, go as deep as you want there, but. Uh, um, I don't really know necessarily that it's like, so my business is predicated on my ability to be me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I come in in a bad attitude and mm-hmm. I'm not fun to be around and I'm not being an effective teacher, well, no one's going to, you guys won't come in. Mm-hmm. So really the value of my meditation is not so much in business. So, I mean, to some degree, that's like a tertiary effect, but it's more for me to become more myself. Gotcha. And in that way, it affects my business. But really, it's I don't even think about that at all when it comes to meditation. Um, it's more for me to be a more effective version of myself. Um, recently, I've been thinking about um, when I'm meditating is trying to be a passenger of my thoughts rather than be the bus driver. So I'm thinking about... Interesting. Uh, a lot of times when we're when we're thinking and we get sucked down into our subconscious, we for me, I have a lot of conversations, right? Reliving conversations that I wish I had done better, mm. um, previewing conversations that are likely to happen, and getting in like mock discussions with people, um, which is not effective or helpful. It's just a way that my mind rattles when I'm not in control of it or when I'm not um, aware, when I'm not okay, aware okay. of it. So rather than trying to control my thoughts and actively dismiss those ideas, what I do is I take a back seat on this bus and I watch my thoughts from a third person perspective. And I don't try and control them. I let them rattle around, but I'm also personally myself, John is not there with them. They are in the front of the bus or wherever you want to put them while I'm in this third person perspective and they rattle around. Hmm. And from then they look much smaller to me. These ideas and this, this desire to like have these conversations look much smaller. They look much more trivial and they seem less important for me to interact with. This is just something that I've been working on, you sure. know, recently. I changed that idea. Sometimes it's I meditate on forgiveness. Sometimes it's gratitude. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's um, absence of thought, you know. Uh, I struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of different things. I think uh, one of the values of meditation is uh, actually, at least for me, is um, what, what would they call it? Like rebellious. And our, like, modern way of being is it's like, I am going to spend my time not doing anything to defy the fact that I, you could say that I should be doing something. Interesting. I'm going to spend this time on myself, just breathing, to defy the fact that we should all be out there fixing my car or earning a million dollars or uh, doing this or that or whatever. And the value of me not doing anything is actually sometimes more helpful to the world than me doing something. So it's almost like an an act of rebellion. Like, I see, I, I see what you're getting at there. It is a countercultural drive that gives you a chance to re almost recollect and, and as you said, breathe. Yeah. And in doing so, opens up all these other avenues for you to be the just the best version of yourself, which then translates back to your livelihood. Yeah. Right. And I specifically, uh, like, I'm not going to say like diagnosable anxiety or anything, but I'm like, if I, if we had like a scale or a scope of like anxiety on one side and like, I don't know what the other side of that would look like. I'm definitely like anxious, 
but not in like a critical or crippling way. But like if I were to categorize my brain, like I think more than I probably ought to. Mm. And that is just as bad as thinking less than you ought to. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to predict what the exact right amount of thought for any one subject <laughs> might be. Right. So I think it's a good counter place for me to go meditating to kind of like give my brain some time to not be required to do or solve or um, think about anything. It's going to think regardless. That's what that tissue does up there. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I'm kind of distancing myself with from my brain with the way that I'm speaking. Um, but your brain is going to fire synapses all day long and you'll never stop it. So there's no point in trying to control it. It's going to do it. But you can distance yourself at least five minutes a day from your thoughts and give your consciousness a little cushion, a little rest from Mm -hmm. your subconsciousness. Your subconsciousness is like this, at least in my analogy, like an annoying little brother who never stops running around (laughs) and poking you and telling you, you should be doing this. You're wasting your time doing that. That could be done better. You should have said that. Forget that dude because he's not helping you out. He's always going to have something to say uh, or they'll always have something to say. So take a step back and just allow yourself, whoever Jack is or John is, to just be and defy your brain from trying to get you to do something mm. for at least five minutes. You got to do stuff. You know, it's like you got to live your life. But like at least for five minutes a day, you can afford for yourself or 10 minutes a day, however long you want to do it. Uh, sure. s- just some time to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to worry about that. And I'm not going to think about what you want me to think about. Cause a lot of that is constructed through our world. Like mm-hmm. with the, the pressures of society around us, like people on the other side of the world don't worry about the same things that we do. Oh yeah. You absolutely. Um, um, something that some, some things they worry about that are similar. There's universal human constructs, but like some <laughs> of it is, you know, whatever community you're around. Right. Um, um, thank you for that, John. Anyway, as just kind of a, I guess, question to wrap all of all of these different topics up we talked about community we've talked about how you deal with either onboarding new clients if you're more of a private entity or or even to some extent like if you're a manager just trying to understand and meet your employees where you're at let's kind of mesh all these concepts together as someone who's practiced martial arts and jujitsu for a long time and is now actively coaching and teaching not only the techniques, but the principles and the mindset that goes into jujitsu, like position over submission, um, it, it succeed despite. It. And uh, what, what was the other thing you tell the kids? Um, oh, it's uh, not mean to win. You're right. It, it's not mean to win. Some of those principles and some of the things that maybe have gone unsaid, how can someone who maybe is interested in jujitsu or just martial arts as a whole take? the mindset that goes with that and apply it to their social situations, their job relationships, um, nothing in particular of those topics. But sure. If you just had like one or two things to say regarding that, the biggest value that jujitsu provides mentally for anyone, and it doesn't matter what aspect of life you're dealing with, um, is the fact, and especially, I mean, Almost every jiu-jitsu gym is going to be like this. The training modality is the same. You spar at the end of class or the beginning of class. Somewhere in your class, you're going to be sparring, and you mm-hmm. ought to be doing it as soon as you can, really, if you ask me, when you start jiu-jitsu, because that's what it's really about. Um, the sport is confrontational. It's a zero-sum game, and it's you versus someone else. There's very little hiding in jiu-jitsu. 
right? When you get beaten, you forfeited and you admitted that that was enough for you to lose, hmm. right? That for you to give up. In that regard, it is super confrontational. It's hyper confrontational, more confrontational than most of the situations you're going to be in. Asking for a promotion, he's not, if he doesn't, or, if, or they don't want to give you a promotion, they're also not going to choke you out and try and break your arm, right? <laughs> like, so you, they're just going to tell you, you no. Not. Yeah, yeah. They, depending on what line of business you're in, like, they're going to tell you no, right? You might get fired, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, so the amount of confrontation you deal with in jujitsu can help you diminish the kind of like confrontation that you're going to see in other portions of your life hmm. or um, perceived confrontation or friction or however you want to define it for you. And I think that's really important. That's been one of the biggest values for me is that like, even if it came for me fighting and getting beat up, I'm still not afraid of confrontation just because I know jujitsu doesn't mean I'm going to beat everyone up. I've been in positions recently where just speaking to someone put me in a position where I then could be, attacked right like or mm-hmm. or beaten up and i still was able to speak my mind and say what i wanted to despite the fact that i was maybe going to be put in a combative situation um and that's very liberating um and it gives you a lot of personal power and a lot of confidence to try things you otherwise may not um uh, so I think that that is one of the most valuable things is this kind of, and this is what I picked up from David Goggins, who I really admire, is kind of like a callousing of your mind. Hmm. It's like giving yourself a protective barrier and recognizing you're not as fragile as you think. And the things that are scary to you are really, in the grand scheme of things, not as scary as someone choking you unconscious, right? Like, right. so <laughs> it's, uh, um, and then having to do that for 30 minutes each night and you're going to go up against the big guy and they're going to smash you for five minutes, and you could quit if you wanted to, but you know you're not gonna unless they really get you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the second thing is there's like, there's a lot of different ways to organize your jiu-jitsu. I am pretty methodical about the organization of the techniques. I'm less methodical about the application of the techniques as far as the, um, the nuances of each and every position. I teach very broadly to people mm-hmm. and say this is the general application of the maneuver depending on, because rounds and your positions can be so dynamic and change and different each round i don't find as much value trying to describe each one of those circumstances as i do defining or like organizing the bigger thoughts i think that's more valuable not more valuable but it's more valuable to me gotcha um so the minutia of each technique i'm not going to bore you with a 15 step technique i'm going to show you what an arm bar looks like i'm going to give you hey here's how you're going to mess it up here's how you're going to make it tighter and then i'm going to show it to you three or four times i'm going to give you a chance to do it and then i come to each group and i say this is where you're messing up. That's the reason it's not working. Here's where your knee's out of place. Hmm. And come and tune it up individually for each person. So it helps you. I guess this analogy would be like, jujitsu has helped me to understand how I understand, hmm. right? To know myself more uh, innately. So that way I can take and interpolate information from other avenues of life in a way that makes better sense to me. That's um, great. So that's something that's huge is understanding how, like learning how to learn, understanding how you understand. Um, You know, a lot of people think they're visual learners or they're tactile learners or they learn through smell. Uh, There's all sorts of different ways to learn. And I definitely agree with those. But like uh, organizing your thoughts is super important. And that's, I think, one of the things that goes back to, well, what did I do? I showed you a flow chart of techniques today, or not even techniques, positions. We did our flow right. chart of techniques. We went from guard to passing the guard, half guard to side control, mount, and then back. And then we worked mm-hmm. backwards from there kind of defensively. We have this flow. Well, that checklist I gave you is the same checklist I used to open up this business, right? That yeah. same organization is kind of that, well, it applies to 
I can't, I, I can't put the mats in the gym until I get the keys to the door, and I can't get the keys to the door until I get the check, right? And I talk to the landlord. So there's a very strict order of operation that needs to occur before I can put mat, people on the mats. Can't put mm-hmm. people on the mats till the mats are in the gym. I can't put the mats in the gym till I get the key to the door. Can't get the key to the door until I get the money to open it, right? And yeah. so on and so forth, right? I can't get the insurance unless I have an LLC. So I need to get the LLC to get the LLC. I need to have a, a business bank account or something like that, right? And, you know, so there's these order of operations that um, that work for me. Now that may be different for you. Some people learn jujitsu more esoterically. They learn it more intuitively. They learn it more instinctually. Well, that's their way that they comprehend. And chances are they also read books by chunking or like skimming, right? Rather than the person who reads each and every word and participle of the sentence mm. and ex- and extracts the de- details that way. Some people learn more broadly, right? right? And jujitsu is a really good way, or learning anything in depth is a really good way to then understand yourself more completely. How do I learn? How do I understand? And then how can I apply that to the avenue of my life that I'm currently in? So, yeah. Thank you, John. That's great. Uh, Great, some great points to go off of there. I think learning to be uncomfortable, and I guess learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations yeah. for one. Yep, that's uh, exactly how my former coach Dean would describe it. Yeah, uh, understanding your vision as well, because if you have that vision of the whole sequence, it, you have your end goal in mind. You know what the end looks like. You don't need to worry about the little minute details in between. You need to know the fundamentals. And yeah. the baby steps that go along with that. But they're all to go to that vision. And it looks different for everybody. And understanding yourself and the people that you work with every day. John, thank you for this conversation. This has been a great thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Happy to do it. Yeah. Folks at home, uh, plug plug the gym real quick. So. Uh, so you can find me at Mentality Martial Arts at 1447 Mayport Road, Atlantic Beach, Florida. We're open basically six days a week. Um, but yeah, get on the website. Check me out on Instagram. Uh and come in and train and see if you boil out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope you stick with it or at least enjoy it for the time you spend. Yes, and John is a great coach. It's been a huge honor to learn under him. Very patient, very kind. Um, if you if you are a family-type person and you have kids, get him here. He, there is no one else in town that I'd rather he be with. Um, but everyone, this has been Jack from the Health Systems Podcast. Thank you, John. Thanks, Jack. Have a good time, y'all.